Well, good morning, Vaughn Forest Church. Uh, to those who are in the room and those who are online, uh, just a word of welcome to you this morning. Uh, I know you already know this, or I believe you already know this, but my name is Adam. And uh, listen, I'm so grateful. I've really, really enjoyed uh, the Sundays, the weekends that I've been able to come down and be with you guys. I've uh, grown to look forward uh, to any Sundays uh, that I'm here in preaching. Um, but yeah, it's just been it's just been really good, and I'm thankful for uh, for you as a church, and thankful for God's work in you guys and and through you. <clears throat> Today, of course, we're going to find ourselves in week three of our pursuing purpose series. And just to remind you, uh, like I did last week, of the big idea for the series, it's we all have big questions in life. And God's Word has answers to our questions. The last couple of weeks, we've looked at two questions, two big questions. The first one, who am I? Of course, that deals with the big question of identity. And if you recall, last week we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan to help answer the question, where do I fit? Which is the question of belonging. Today, as we finish up our series on pursuing purpose, we're going to look at the question, how can I make a difference? And of course, this deals with uh, the question of purpose, of meaning. So if you would, uh, please take your copy of God's Word. You can turn that to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 12 through 27 together this morning as we seek to answer this particular question, the question of purpose, and it's a big one. It's a big one. It's a question that has been asked by the religious and the non-religious, by philosophers and theologians, by the educated and uneducated in developed nations and third world countries. No matter a person's social status, where that person lives, what that person does for a living, who or what that person worship, everyone gives consideration to the question of purpose, even if at the end we reach different conclusions. But for us as Christians, a couple of things that we would affirm. We would affirm that we have a meaningful beginning, and we would affirm that there is a purposeful destination in mind. So we would say that we have a meaningful beginning. In other words, God created man and woman in his own image. He meant to do that. There was meaning in that. There was purpose behind that. And he's taking us somewhere. We're going somewhere. There is a purposeful destination in mind. Now, I get it. That's a pretty broad and generic concept. And while it matters greatly, we also need to think about how that would work itself out in our daily lives as Christians. Because if we affirm that we have a meaningful beginning and a purposeful destination, then that means that every moment of every day, as we're in between those two truths, as we're in the middle, it matters. There is present purpose. That's why... We ask the question, how can I make a difference? Because inherently we just feel it and we just know it, that there is meaning, that there is purpose, and we want to be a part of it. For the Christian, this will inevitably lead us to the church, 
to the body of Christ. And so to answer our question, we need to look at what a couple of different things that we're going to look at. If you have your sermon notes, you'll see three main points as we walk through this passage, but two kind of two concepts that we'll see in that. One, we'll need to look at what God has done in bringing us together. And then we'll also see in this passage what our responsibilities are as those who have been brought together. So let's look at our passage now, and, and just to give you a heads up on kind of how this is going to flow, because it's a pretty long passage, we're going to read the whole thing, but what I'm going to do, I'll give you the main point, then I'm going to read the text, the section of scripture that we're going to look at, and then we'll make some observations and applications to it, okay? So just so you have an idea of how this is going to look as we walk through this. But the first, first in what we see in verses 12 and 13 and Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12, we'll see this, that God has made one body out of many parts. Do you see who the actor is in this, the one who is completing the activity? It's God. God has made one body out of many parts. Let's read these verses, 12 and 13, and then verse 27. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body... So also is Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. What's happening in the passage that we're going to look at this morning, Paul is giving an extended metaphor of the body. And it's one that he will, I think, rightly assume and can safely assume everyone will understand because everybody that he's talking to has a body. And they know that that body, though it's just one body, it's made up just like you and me, it's made up of many parts. And so we can hear that and we can immediately go, it's self-evident, we go, well, of course, makes total sense. But he goes on to say, So also is Christ, meaning so also is the body of Christ. That it's one body, that it is made up of many parts. And what we see in this 12 and 13 and 27, what's beautiful about it is the way that he weaves together the collective nature of who we are and at the same time, can emphasize the individual part of that. Because he says, you are the body of Christ. Plural, y'all. That's how we say it down here, right? Y'all are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So to take this particular local expression, Vaughn Forest Church, y'all, Vaughn Forest Church, are a visible physical representation of the body of Christ to the world. All right, that's y'all. And then he goes on to say, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you are individual members of it. So while we make a one, each and every one of you matters and is important in making up the whole. And what we see in this, these verses, in, in what God has done in making one body out of many parts is that our life, and what I mean by our life, Your life as Vaughn Forest Church and then your individual life begins and ends with Jesus. 
Y'all, it is absolutely remarkable what Jesus has done in bringing us together with all of our differences and making us one. And he does this so that our differences will highlight the glory of the gospel itself. We'll we'll shine, shine a light on the goodness and the greatness and the grace of God himself. Because look at what he says. He says, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And what he's referencing here with Jew and Greek is ethnic or racial differences. Now, we can look around our country, we can look around our world, and we can see racism, we can see division, we can see disunity. And I want you to know, it's not just in the United States of America, of course it is, but it's, it's all around the world. I've, I've lived in Madagascar, and there's a lot of similarities in the way people look, and yet, in the different tribes, they can hate each other. Y'all, since Genesis chapter 3... We have been figuring out ways to hate other people. It's just, unfortunately, it's a part of the fall. That's what's so astounding about what Jesus does in bringing us together, Jew and Greek, because, listen, it's no different back then. There there are two classifications of people. If you're you're a Jew living in a Jewish Jewish society, there's two two sections of people, two types of people. There's a Jew or a non-Jew. And you didn't associate with anyone who was a non-Jew, just by practice. That was a normal, a normal thing. But what Paul says is that Jesus has brought Jew and Greek together. He's broken down the wall. He's broken down the barriers between them. And the same thing he says, whether slaves or free. Now, to be clear, this is not the slavery that we typically think of when we think of our own, when we think of American history. This is the slavery, and I mentioned this in a, in a recent sermon here, the, the type of slavery where someone was very, very poor, they were impoverished, and perhaps they owed a debt to someone, so they had to enslave themselves to that person to work off the debt. And the free person is someone who is, at the very least, well off enough not to have to enslave themselves. The point, point being, there's social differences, economic differences, and Paul says, In Jesus, you're one. He breaks down the things that would separate us. It's remarkable what Jesus has done in bringing us together. And let me encourage you, don't ever take it for granted that you worship and you fellowship with this particular group of people on a regular basis. That is no small thing at all. It is a miraculous work of God that brought you together. And let me illustrate it this way. Some of you moms and dads will understand this, but I've nearly reached the point of fatherhood, okay? So 19-year-old daughter, 16-year-old daughter, 9-year-old daughter, and 7-year-old daughter. I've nearly reached the point of fatherhood where Christmas time isn't hours and hours of assembly. I'm getting I'm getting close. Some of you have already graduated from that. Others of you are still in it. If you're still in it, just just hang on. You'll get there. Some of you are going to be there soon. Dollhouses, toy kitchen sets, tricycles, bicycles, trampolines, you name a girl toy that requires assembly, and I've likely put it together at Christmas time. This past Christmas, it was a new basketball goal. And listen, here's, it's not... 
It's not that it's overcomplicated. It's just the time that it takes. So you open the box, right? And you pull out all the different parts, the, the base, the support rods, the pole, the backboard, the gold, the net, and all the nuts and bolts. You pull it all out. Then you pull out the little sheets of paper that say, step one, do this, do this. And if you follow them, like every guy just so naturally does, it's gonna come together quite nicely. And so that's what I did. I followed the instructions, I put it together, and guess what? Not one single time did any part of that basketball goal express a dissenting opinion. It didn't express a consenting opinion, for that matter, either, on what part of the goal it was. Why? Why not? Because they can't, right? They can't. The parts that make up a basketball goal can't think, feel, agree, disagree. They can't sin. They don't have preferences or hopes or dreams. They just are what they are. But not us, right? We do think. We do feel. We agree. We disagree. We sin. We do have preferences, hopes, and dreams. We come from different backgrounds. We have different jobs, different opinions. The list of our differences could go on and on, and yet we find ourselves here worshiping the risen Lord Jesus together. That is a magnificent work of God. And guess what, y'all? This is, this is one of the external or visible factors that makes what we believe so compelling. Christianity is uniquely suited as, call it a religion, a belief system, to cross cultural boundaries precisely because it's not about what we do. It's not about what we have or don't have or how we look. It's about what Jesus has done to unify us as one body. God has made one body out of many parts. And secondly, we see this in verses 14 through 18. God brought you here because you're needed here. Now notice what I didn't say. I didn't say God brought you here because God needs you here. Guess what? God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need any of us. The fact that we exist is because he wanted us. He doesn't need us. But brothers and sisters, there are people here who need you. There are people here who need you. And God brought you here because you're needed here. Let's read verses 14 through 18. And Paul says, Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. Because he wanted to. That's a sovereign God. He put you where you are because he wanted to. I just want to make a couple of observations out of these verses here. One is this. 
that I would encourage you. Don't despise God's work in your life. Don't despise God's work in your life. Remember the theme verse for this sermon series, Ephesians 2.10. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance, in advance for us to do. And what God is doing in putting you here right where he wanted you is he's shaping and forming you for a specific role in a specific place at a specific time. So don't despise God's work in your life. The truth is, in one sense, it doesn't even matter. Because if you do, it's a futile effort. It's pointless. Because I'm about to say something. What I'm about to say really has kind of broad application to our culture at large. But I think we have to recognize it within the church so that we can demonstrate it to the world. And here it is. You can't alter reality. You can't alter reality. Reality simply is what it is. If the foot should say, now it's kind of crazy, right? Thinking about a foot talking. Just roll with the metaphor, okay? If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Here's Paul's response. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. Just because you state something doesn't make it true. And you telling a lie doesn't make the truth any less true. It doesn't make reality any less real. It's a futile effort. You can't alter reality. But on, on the positive side of this... Pay attention to this. Your role as part of the body is for the good of the body. Because look at what Paul says. Verse 17, he says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? That's logical, right? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? For one thing, if the whole body were an ear, listen, our ears are not the most attractive features on us, on any of us, okay? And none of us wants to see just a human-sized ear. But he says, where, the point is, where would the sense of smell be? And what Paul is doing here, because you read this and you go, that's absurd. It's absurd. But Paul is making an absurd point in order to tell us the truth. He's drawing on what should be our logical assessment of this as an absurdity to make his point. His point is that whatever role God has given you in his kingdom as part of his church, whatever that is, do that as well as you, can, as you possibly can because that's what the other parts of the body need. It's what the other parts of the body need. It's how... For you as Vaughn Forest Church, it's how when each of you does what God has given you to do, what he's gifted you in, and you just give your all to that, it's how you become and maintain and sustain health and wholeness as a body. It's the analogy of our own bodies doing what they were made to do 
tells the story of what it's like for us as a body of believers. It's how we become healthy and whole. And then to see this, God brought you here. God brought you here. Don't dismiss that. Look at verse 18. Paul says, as it is. So in following up on the absurd analogy and illustration that he gives, he says, but as it is. As a matter of unalterable fact, here's the way it is. God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. Please believe me when I say that God is working out his purposes in your, each of your individual lives and he is working out his purposes for Vaughan Forest Church. That's what God is currently doing at this very moment, 11.46 a.m. That's what God is doing. He's working out his purposes. He brought you here. So let me ask this question, where is here? Where is here? Here specifically in the context of this passage, in terms of the visible representation of the body of Christ, here is Vaughan Forest Church. God brought you to Vaughan Forest Church. This is where you are. And then branching out a little bit, he brought you to Montgomery. He brought you to Pike Road. He brought you to whatever neighborhood that you live in. Think about your address, the house that you live in. God brought you there. Your job, your school, the coffee shop, the grocery store, the gym, wherever you may find yourself, God brought you there. He has appointed you to be in certain places, at certain times, with certain gifts, and to live all of that out. One of the most fascinating verses in Scripture to me is Acts chapter 17, 26, when Paul is preaching to the men of Athens, and he says this to them. He says, from one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. You could probably think about, you know, just over the course of your life, just all of the things that for us, we might say are a coincidence, or we might say are accidental, or the way things seem to randomly work out for you to buy the house that you bought, or to get the job that you got. But what we see in scripture is that it's not an accident to God, it's not a coincidence to him, it's his appointment. Even, as Acts 17 says, they're appointed times. We don't live in the 1700s. We live, you and I, we live in the current time. Why? That's what God wanted. That's what he wanted. You are here in, in all manners of what that word can mean on purpose. On purpose. It is no accident. God brought you here because you are needed here. And third, and our final main point before we get to some application, God brought you together to love one another. God brought you together to love one another. Verses 19 through 26. Let's read these together. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. In those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, I want us to notice a couple of shifts here that take place in in this particular section of Scripture as opposed to the previous one that we just looked at. The previous section focuses on the necessity of the many parts of the body. See that in verse 14. But now Paul focuses on the unified whole of the many parts. See that in verses 19 and 20. That the many parts make up one body. Also, the previous section was somewhat introspective. It was somewhat introspective, like the foot saying to itself, because I'm not a hand, I am not a part of the body, or I don't belong to the body. So the previous section is introspective, dealing with how, you know, like how you see yourself as part of the body. And in this section of Scripture, it moves outward in how we view each other. So you could... You could look at it this way and kind of the way Paul lays it out, because in verse 15, the foot discouragingly says of itself, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. But here in verse 21, we find that the head should say to the feet, I need you. I need you. You are important. You matter. So listen, this whole section, I mean, it's, almost a little bit of a tongue twister trying to read it because there's just a, there's a lot going on in there. What's the deal with the talk of weaker and less honorable body parts? Let's see how Paul demonstrates it here. Look at what he says. The eyes and the head can't say to the hands and feet, I don't need you. In this analogy, the eyes and the head, they're the honorable parts. And we can, we can see that, right? Because the, the eyes... And the head, they're like the forward-facing, the public parts of the body, the parts that people would see more often, they might comment and compliment on. And because of that, they don't need, this is Paul's argument, they don't need special attention. They already get enough attention. The hands and feet, on the other hand, those are the service parts. The hands and the feet, they do behind the scenes. They do the dirty work that nobody sees. And think about it, because if you lived in Paul's day, you probably would have given more attention to your hands and feet more than any other body part throughout the day. You would have washed them more. Why? Because we handle things and our hands get dirty and they're walking on dirty, dusty streets and their feet get dirty. So they would have needed more attention. They would have needed to be treated with greater respect in that sense. And even today, this, you know, this attention is typically limited to washing our hands But most of us, you probably wash your hands throughout the day more than you wash any other body part. Why? Because our hands get dirty, because we use them. Not not necessarily our feet, because we keep our shoes on all day, but most of you probably realize at the end of the day, you take your shoes off and those dogs are barking and you go, okay, I need to wash, I need to give special attention to my feet now. 
because they smell. They need that special attention. And the point is, they need and deserve special attention, and that is their honor because of the work they do. It shows, and it shows the love, esteem, and concern that we should have for every part. Don't you ever, ever, ever think or say to anyone in this church, I don't need you. If you say it or if you think it, immediately repent because it is sinful. He says that's how they have the same concern for each other. That's how they love one another. And you have been brought together to love one another, to look at each and every person in this church and go, hey, I need you and we need you. Because if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. God has brought you together to love one another. You need each other. That's how God sustains you. So how should we respond? How should we respond? Or to ask it, a more relevant way to the sermon itself. How can I make a difference? How can I make a difference? Just a few things that I want to share with you. Hey, and listen, this first one, um, you're getting a bonus here because I completely forget, like skipped over this accidentally in the first service. So listen really well and go share it with them because I didn't share this with them like an hour and a half ago or whenever that was. So... Um, <laughs> But the first thing is this, trust God to fulfill his purposes. It's simple, right? Simple, but very hard. Trust God to fulfill his purposes. And I say that because you probably know and realize in your own life that there are some times that life makes no sense at all. Where life sometimes matches the absurdity of the analogy, the metaphor that Paul gives in talking feet or talking eyes. And you go, you wonder, you wonder why things are the way they are. How did I get to this position? Because listen, there, there are no accidents. There are no coincidences because God has appointed things to be as he wanted. And yet sometimes it's really, really hard, isn't it? And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. I want to share with you some of you probably know who I'm talking about when I mention the name Corey Tenboom. She was a lady who uh, helped, along with her family, house uh, Nazis early in World War II, and they ended up getting busted. Uh, housed Jews, sorry. Um, Nazis found them. And she ended up, she and her sister Betsy ended up at a concentration camp in Ravensbrück. Her sister Betsy died there. Corey lived and made it, made it through that and ended up sharing, uh, going to share lots of churches and just sharing her story. And one of the things that, that she always talked about, a, a poem that she would, that she would share, share commonly, she would take with her a picture of an embroidered crown that looked just beautiful when you looked at it. And then she would flip it around and show you the other side and just how gnarled all the loose strings that are hanging from it. And it looks like it makes no sense at all. And then you turn it around and see this beautiful crown that's been knitted together. She shared this, um, this poem. 
It's called the tapestry. It says, my life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. Listen to this. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. As a church and for you in your individual lives, trust God to fulfill his purposes, even when what you see doesn't make any sense. I promise you, I promise you, God sees the right side of it and he knows what he's doing, so trust him. And secondly, embrace the gifts God has given you and thrive in using them. Embrace those gifts. This passage that we just looked at, it calls us out of selfish ambition. It calls us away from detachment. It calls us toward a willing commitment to loving and serving one another. Some of you need to connect yourself as a, as a member, as a committed member to this local body of believers because God's brought you here because you're needed here. And just like last week, we talked about this idea of not looking for neighbors, but being a neighbor. So this week, I'll just say, stop wishing for someone else's gift or talent or status and honor the Lord by expending your own gifts and talents on behalf of others to the glory of God. That's where you're going to find freedom. That's where you're going to find joy is when you are who God has created you to be in Christ. Embrace those gifts and thrive in using them. And then thirdly, encourage each other to discover and use your gifts. Encourage each other. Listen, I, have, I don't have any problem with like the, um, you know, the spiritual gifts inventories, the tests that we can take, all of that, personality assessments, all of those things. I don't have any problems with those. But listen, at best, those are supplementary. <clears throat> those are supplemental. They're not primary, okay? What is primary in discovering your gifts and using them is you knowing one another, knowing one another. So think about this, for example, your small group. What this takes, it, it takes presence, like you being there. It takes time. It takes getting to know one another. So think about your small group of you walking in and you going, Hey guys, here's some things that I'm thinking about of some ways that I might serve. Tell me what you think. Who are the trusted people of God in your life that you can go to with those kinds of questions and go, hey, tell me what you think. Here's what I'm thinking, tell me what you think. Now that takes honesty, it takes time. Again, it takes presence. Or on the opposite side of this, be the person who can see other people and you can go up to them and you can go, hey, look, and do it, do it this way, okay? Hey, look, I promise this is not creepy, but I've been watching. And here's what I see in you. I can see God doing this. I can see these gifts. And let me just encourage you to use those. Quit worrying about what somebody else has. You use the gifts that God has given you and then you take other people with you. Encourage other people to discover and use their gifts. 
And then honor the differences that God has brought into your midst. God does nothing on accident. Everything has purpose and meaning, and that includes the presence of every single person in this room. All the people who make up Vaughn Forest Church. So while we ought not ever wish for someone else's gift that God has given them, let us also never look down on another who doesn't have what you have. We all need each other. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel when the people of God live in unity. You need each other. Own that and live in it. I'm gonna give, give you one more freebie. I'm not gonna talk about it too much. I don't have a slide for it. You don't have blanks for it. So you can make your own at the very bottom of the page. Here's this, take it with you. Take it with you. Because listen, there are people outside of these walls who need to hear about what God has done in bringing you together and what he has done through Jesus Christ. Because you don't come together on your own. Without Jesus, there's nothing. This is just a gathering. This is just a meeting. This means something because of what Jesus has done. Because we were all sinful people. And Jesus came and he lived a sinless life on our behalf. Then he died the death that we deserve so that we could be forgiven. And then he was raised on the third day to guarantee that anyone who trusts in him, anyone who turns from their sins and puts their faith in Jesus will live with him, will be made right with God and will live with him forever. And there are so many people out there who need to hear that, who need to be brought in. And God, listen, I'm telling you, God wants to bring people in and he's using you to do that. And if you're in here this morning and you've never put your trust in Christ, I just want to plead with you, today is a good day to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus because at this very moment, Jesus is ready to save you. And Chad mentioned that connection card earlier. There's, there's a place on there where you can, you can let the pastors know, hey, I wanna talk more. I wanna know more about what it means to follow Jesus. But I plead with you today is a really good day to do that. Brothers and sisters, God has made one body out of many parts. He's brought you here because you're needed here. And he brought you together to love one another. Let me pray and then we're gonna respond in song. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for your kindness and all that you've done in bringing us together. I thank you for this precious church that you bought with your blood. Lord, help us in humility to love each other, to look at each other and to say to each other, I need you. This church needs you. Help us in humility not to be jealous of what someone else has or not to be haughty or prideful in what we do have, but help us spend ourselves in service to you in loving you and loving others. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.